Welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, your resource for early childhood music therapy. Imagine is published by Della Vista Publisher and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled The Family is the Therapy Team, a case example and presented by Jeffrey Wolf. Jeffrey is the Community Program Manager accessible arts coordinator and a music therapist at the Institute for Therapy through the Arts. He specialized in interventions for children with neurodevelopmental disorders. He holds the Neurologic Music Therapy Fellow Certification from the Center for Biomedical Research in Music in Colorado. Jeff serves as the student advisor for the Great Lakes region of the American Music Therapy Association. He is a founding member, administrator, and previous director of Kidstown Child Development Center in Brunswick, Ohio. This podcast reviews a case of a three-year-old child diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. It highlights the importance of creating an alliance with the child's family so goals can be addressed in and out of the session. Welcome to this podcast, where I will share a story about how creating an alliance between therapist and family can help to generalize a client's skills. For the privacy of the families, I have changed all their names. I work at a private practice in Chicago, Illinois, where we contract with other agencies and also serve private clients. My client, Pete, and his family had recently moved from China for work purposes. Pete had been diagnosed six months earlier with PDD-NOS, now Autism Spectrum Disorder. He was three years old when he started music therapy and attended a specialized early childhood center three days a week and spent the rest of his time at home extremely bright. He could read in Chinese and English at a first grade level. He was curious about all things and soaked up and retained information like a sponge. Having heard that music therapy was beneficial for children with autism spectrum disorder, Pete's parents started music therapy, hoping he would learn to play an instrument, increase his sequencing skills, and increase his response time to others. They said he loved music and loved exploring instruments, but would not play or sing with others. I find that the initial interaction with a family is key to establishing a positive therapeutic relationship. During these initial encounters, I get a feel for the attachment level of the child and involve the parents in the session, whether through observation, explanation, or interaction during the session. I often find that having the parents in the initial session or observing through an observation window increases their comfort and helps them understand how music therapy might work for the needs of their child. If a child is reluctant to separate from his or her parent, I will usually invite the parent into the initial session until the child feels comfortable. Pete, however, was ready to explore. His parents asked what the session would look like, and I knew I needed to involve them in interaction if I was to get them to be part of the music therapy treatment team. I requested that they be part of the initial session so I could explain what I was doing. I also explained that Pete might be willing to do more in the room with them present until he was comfortable. His parents seemed quite surprised by this request, but were thrilled to join. I encouraged them to ask questions during the session and made sure I had the best form of communication, whether phone or email, for follow-up questions after the session. I was also able to address how Pete might learn to play instruments as a byproduct of the therapy process. His parents expressed his difficulty in mainstream music education settings, such as Suzuki Violin and Music Garden. Pete was said to intermittently wander off, ignore instruction, while echoing single words that he heard, and also ignore the existence of other children. I discussed the benefits of many of these programs and how this could become a long-term goal for Pete. 
We agreed that in order to prepare him for these settings, he needed to develop the social skills and communication skills that would allow him to follow the directives of the group in main interaction with other children. I explained that I would be able to determine what these exact skills should be after conducting a thorough assessment. I always ask about the client's previous experience with music. Pete, like many other children on the autism spectrum, did not like to go to concerts and had trouble tolerating other people singing. This is often a result of being overstimulated in situations where the child does not have control over the sensory environment. And I find that the best solution is to let the client enter the room and explore before me. This gives the client the ability to control the situation and learn about the dynamic range of instruments, getting a sense of what to expect. They often have less frustration when I begin to make music after they've explored the room. I told Pete's parents that I need at least three assessment sessions to get a clear picture of how music may target his strengths and meet his needs, using the individual music therapy assessment profile. I also administered the ITA social interaction scale, which is based on social skills literature and can be found in the music therapy social skills assessment manual. During the second and third sessions, I worked on transitioning Pete's parents out of the space, asking Pete where they should sit. This worked quite well as it gave Pete the opportunity to consent to his parents leaving the session room and helped him to feel safe, knowing where they would be during and after the session. I have learned that asking for permission from children goes a long way towards building trust. This also helped the parents know that their child was comfortable. After three weeks of assessment, I sat down with Pete's parents to create the plan for generalization to home and school settings, as in-home sessions were cost-prohibitive. My goal was to empower the parents as much as possible so skills could be practiced at home without interrupting the current family dynamic. I accomplished this by asking if there is a time when music is generally played in the home or ask the parents when they spend time playing with their child. I record as many of my songs as possible, provide song resources, and take a minimum of five minutes after each session to review what occurred in the session and what can be worked on at home. Based on the assessment, Pete's goals were increasing reciprocal social interaction, recognizing expressing and displaying emotional facial affect, and increasing dynamic range in his voice. I shared the goals and interventions with Pete's parents. To address social skills, I created several interactive interventions that used a call-and-response format. Pete first learned a series of rhythms and was asked to respond with a new rhythm. This was eventually transferred to melodic instruments and then into songs that had questions embedded within the music that Pete would be asked to answer. Next, I shared with Pete's parents a song about emotions that I would use to help Pete learn to identify the six primary human emotions. These include happy, sad, angry, surprise, disgusted, and afraid. I also used two other states that influence emotion, sleepy and sick. I used an app called The Grimace Project in my sessions with Pete. This app displays a face with a list of emotions and cursors to the right of the face that can be adjusted to change the range of emotional affect on the face. I used the app with an adaptation of a song about emotions by music therapist Elizabeth Balzano. After reviewing the emotions with Pete's parents, I asked them to work on identifying emotions at home by acting out these emotions or using the Grimace app to display the emotions. Pete's mother stated that she could act out the emotions at home with Pete. This was a nice surprise. The last goal was a little tougher to address. I asked Pete to express names of items, make requests, and sing at an audible level of 60 decibels, the loudness of an average conversation. 
The first objective began with him playfully exploring soft and loud dynamics on instruments through nonverbal improvisation. Next, we sang songs to explore our voices in the same manner. Then for words in short sentences, such as, I want to use a guitar. Eventually, he was asked to speak with a strong voice, making all requests or statements at an audible level of 60 decibels. In the session, I used an app called Decibel Tenth to track Pete's decibel levels. I also needed to consider the family's language and culture in relation to generalizing skills. According to the American Speech Language Hearing Association, best practice is to provide intervention in the client's native tongue. Pete's parents stated that they spoke Cantonese at home, but wanted Pete to continue to learn and speak English. As I did not speak Cantonese and they didn't want to search for a different therapist, they decided they would speak Cantonese in English in the home, especially when trying to support Pete's goals. I was thrilled with Pete's progress. With the support of Pete's parents, he was able to quickly move through these first objectives. During music therapy, he engaged in musical conversations on several different instruments, responding in a call and response fashion and answering with novel information. This progressed to the point where he could engage in a six-part conversation exchange in therapy. At home, he was maintaining joint attention and showed signs of engaging in cooperative behavior. As for his emotional goal, Pete was able to identify the emotions of his parents at home. And with the help of the Grimace app and Amir, he was able to display all of the learned emotions. Eventually, his parents in school reported that he used his emotional vocabulary in context based on his own feelings and the feelings of others. Now, Pete's parents admitted struggling with the speech volume goal a little more than the others. They used the volume of his voice as a contingency to respond to a request meaning that once he used an audible speaking voice, they would respond in conversation or action. This was the toughest since his parents understood his speech approximations and his quiet voice. So, how did we transfer these skills to interactions with other children? Pete's parents talked to a school to see if any children would be willing to join him in his Saturday music therapy sessions as a typical peer. We created an agreement that the interventions used during the session would continue to focus on Pete's social skills and the peer would engage with us during the session free of charge. Pete's family was able to find a family who agreed for the child to participate with Pete. Now, the focus became school and how these skills could transfer to that setting. Pete and his peer were taught how to create a music schedule how to take turns choosing songs and instruments, and how to ask a question and wait for the answer. We sang a simple song. It went like this. It's Pete's turn to choose an instrument. Pick one to play. It's Pete's turn to choose an instrument. Pick one to play. Let's ask a friend to join you. Face your friend. Ask, do you want to play with me? And wait. Shannon, if you want to play with Pete, say, yes, I do. I also wrote lyrics in case Pete's request to play was turned down, but I never had to use them. Pete's peer did an excellent job waiting to be asked, which is pretty impressive for a four-year-old. She also always looked forward to when it was her turn to choose instrument and song. Other songs were performed as a group, taking turns individually and engaging in call and response rhythms and patterns. 
I knew Pete had made wonderful progress when he initiated asking his peer to play the piano. She said yes, and off they went, leaving me in the dust. He counted her off, and before I knew it, they were singing and playing a cluster chord of Old MacDonald. The songs we used were shared with his parents and school, and I often asked if he was learning any new songs at school that we could include. By this time, it seemed everyone was on board with Pete's therapy plan. He was successfully transferring his skills to play with other children at school and at playdates with his peer at home. However, Pete and his family had to move back to Hong Kong. I was concerned that Pete's skills would regress and that he would have a hard time communicating and transferring these skills to his peers in Hong Kong. But coincidentally, one of my music therapy colleagues decided he would also be moving back home to Hong Kong. I quickly connected the family with this therapist, discussed how services could continue with a new peer dyad, discussed the need for reassessment, and then said my goodbyes. Pete was able to make great progress because his parents were part of the music therapy process from the very beginning. His goals were written so that they were considered met when he displayed the skill at home or in the classroom. My sessions were simply the place where he learned and practiced the skills in a highly motivating environment. The foundation of the therapy process was set from the beginning and supported Pete until he could transfer these skills to his new home in Hong Kong. Thanks for listening to this Imagine podcast produced in 2015.